Well, good morning, everybody. If you guys could stand with us, we're going to begin our service with worship today.
things you've done before in greater measure you will do again cause there's no prison wall you can't break through no mountain you can't move all things are possible there's no possible the darkest night you can light it up you can light it up oh God of revival let hope arise death is overcome you've already won oh God of So why should my heart fear what you've defeated? I will trust in you alone. Cause there's no prison wall you can't break through. No mountain you can't move. All things are possible. And there's no broken body you can't
can go ahead and take a seat and uh, look at the screens for a message from Dennis Jackson. When I think of you, I'm just flooded with so many memories of answered prayer. I'm so delighted to be a part of this sabbatical journey with Pete and Jane as prayer partners. We've remained prayer partners uh, for, I don't know, 25 years now. We first started out as friends and then called a ministry in his life, joining together on the staff for nine years there at All Shores and 15 more years for Pete now. So delighted that you value this idea of a sabbatical and that you're releasing them for rest, for restoration, and for the unique prayers that they're praying, that they're filled with wonder at who God is in new ways, and they would delight in that that God would really meet with them. And my prayer for you is for deep discernment during this time. And I'm gonna pray a verse that's been so practical for me and for so many others, not only for Pete and Jane, but overall Shores Church. It's Philippians chapter one, verses nine and 10. Join me in praying. Lord, I pray that Pete and Jane's love might abound more and more. I pray that for All Shores Church, that their love might abound more and more for one another, for the lost in this community, but for the lost around the world, that their love might abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that they might discern what is best in the season where there's so many choices, where there's so many pressures, where there's so many wonderments, I pray that there would be a season of discernment for All Shores Church, and particularly for Pete and Jane, Pete as he gives leadership in this season in the life of the church. And I pray that that love might abound so significantly, even during this unique season of the sabbatical. I pray, Lord, your blessing as they strive to know you better and to follow your ways. I pray that it would lead to worship, that we would join the psalmist in saying, who are you, God, that you're so mindful of us? And so would you seal this time for All Shores Church, for Pete and Jane, for your glory, for your honor, and through your love, I pray in Jesus' name. Even as Dennis has prayed for Pete and Jane and prayed for our church, we know that, you know, in our congregation, there are many unique needs, and we want to be praying for you, and we want you to be praying for each other as well, and a great tool that we have to do that is our prayer loft. So if you go to our website and click on prayer there, it'll take you right, right to a link where you can put in your prayer request, and the really great thing is that, you know, as other people pray for those, and you pray for other people, they will get 
an email saying that someone has prayed for them. And it's a great encouragement and tool that we have. So I want you to take advantage of that. And also today, I'd love for you to be praying uh, for Michelle and Doug Dewey and their family as uh, Michelle's dad has passed away just yesterday and they're in the middle of that process and grief. And I know they appreciate and love your prayers and support during this time as well. So thank you just in advance for lifting them up and caring for them. Well, I am so glad that you are here today. So I want to welcome you to All Shores and so glad that you've decided to spend your Sunday morning with us and worshiping God together. And if you're joining us online from wherever, whatever beautiful place you are, whether it's your backyard, whether it's the beach or a camper, so glad that you are tuning in and joining us as well today. And just pray that all of you just experience God's presence in a powerful way this morning. You know, we've, we've sang songs together, we've prayed together, and we're going to continue worshiping just by receiving God's tithes and our offerings. It really is one more way that we worship. It's a way that we partner with God of what he is doing in our church and in this community around the world. When, when we just give back, when we say, God, we, I trust you even with my finances. So if you came prepared to give today, I hope you do that with an act as, as an act of worship and with joy in your heart. On the screen behind me, there are many ways that you can give. You can do that online. If you like to give in person, there are boxes by all the doors on your way out. And we are so grateful that you are generous so we can be a generous church. So thank you again for that. If you'll turn your attention to the screen, there's more information about what's happening here. Hey, I'm Craig Rochelle, and I'm so excited to invite you to join me this year at the Global Leadership Summit. You may say, who is the Global Summit for? Well, it's for anyone who wants to grow in their leadership. And what I know about you is that you can make a big difference wherever you are. And I know that you have someone who's influenced you and you can do the very same thing by inviting someone else to join you this year at the Global Leadership Summit. What do we know about the summit? The Global Leadership Summit is affordable, it's accessible, it's applicable, and it's absolutely mission critical because your leadership matters more today than ever before. Please join me and people from all over the world on August the 3rd and the 4th this year. Sign up at globalleadership.org or through your church. Hope to see you there. Well, welcome again to our Spring Lake campus, those who are watching online. If you're watching online, you're missing out today, and here's why. Today is Outreach Sunday, and some of you are asking, what is Outreach Sunday? Right, I, for me, every week is Outreach Sunday. So uh, this is uh, every fifth Sunday throughout the year, so four times a year, there happens to be a fifth Sunday, and we have kind of taken that on to say on those fifth Sundays, we want to highlight what All Stores is doing locally and globally. Uh, it's also the beginning of what we call our ministry highlights. Uh, and so for the next couple of months, we're going to be highlighting different ministries in our church each week and different ways that you can get engaged and involved and find ways to serve. 
So with Outreach Sunday being in mind, you, when you walk out these doors in the lobby, you're going to see some tables set up out there and a big banner, a six by eight banner, can't miss it, um, that, that says All Shores. And we have different ways that we are involved locally and globally. So locally, Love and Action is here today. They're one of our partners. Uh, we have about 12 partners. Uh, Hand to Hand, which feeds kids on the weekends during school. Uh, kids Hope Mentoring Program. We have our Wraparound Orphan Care uh, and information on that. We also have a global house, a, a go house we call it, global outreach house, to house missionaries. And uh, we have one living in there right now. Different ways that you can help out around there and to really care for missionaries. Our missionary care team, I can just keep going. You don't want me to because I will keep going. Um, but anyway, I want you to, to take some time this morning after the service to go out and to check out what's happening around our communities and our campuses. The second part of that is, we like to, we're heavily involved. Dennis Jackson, who prayed for us this morning, is the director of Global Partners. They are the sending agency for the North American, all of Canada and the U.S., the North American missionaries. And over the last six years, All Shores has been the number one sending, and uh, for five years, the number one giving church to global missions. Right? Awesome. So we are excited about our partnership, but I'll be honest with you, those of you who give on a weekly basis, the funds that you give to our general giving doesn't go to support all the missionaries and the missionary of the work that we do. The only way that gets uh, done is through our Go Fund or Global Outreach Fund. See what we did there? Anyway. Um, so we have our Go Fund, and uh, people give to that specifically. So when you go online or you write your check and on the envelopes, you can designate how much to give to global outreach. Well, we're tapped out. We have a ton of missionaries. We have 16 different missionary partners that we have. And, and we're not trying to expand that greatly. But we met with a couple a few weeks ago. Alex and Sremo, they are in Cambodia. And they are a fantastic young couple. And I don't know if you can, whoop, whoop, I don't know if you can see this. But these cards are available out there. Here's the challenge this morning. We are looking for 20 new contributors to the GoFund. If you're already giving to the GoFund, we just appreciate the ongoing faithfulness to that and want to encourage you to continue. Um, but we are looking for 20 new families, 22 households, uh, who, who can give $10 a month. If you can give $10 a month to the GoFund, we can come alongside of Alex and Sremo. And so we want to see that happen today because I would love to call them tomorrow and let them know that they are a new partner with All Shores. To help with that, after the service, there are outreach mugs, a prayer card for them. There's some candy in here, and we can help you get signed up. So I just want to encourage you, take that step this morning. Help us come alongside of this young couple and make a real difference around the world. Cool? We're good. All right. Well, as we get into uh, the message, um, I think we have, do we, do we do the sermon bumper? I'm acting like I don't know what we do, but yeah, let's do the sermon bumper. <laughs> what is going on? Well... Well, the TV is not working, so I'm just going to do this. <laughs> I don't know if anybody can help me with that. We could give it a shot. Maybe, Keith, we got to 
Hey, we're, we're using the Bible. How many of you here have a Bible? All right, we're good. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, oh, thank you, Stephen. We have a whole crew. I asked the people who brought out the table if they could just follow me around wherever I go and set things up for me all the time. Uh, it's really nice to be cared for that way. Um, okay, I'll just keep going. Ignore the guy in black behind me. Let's do this. Whenever we have trouble, we, we need to pray. So as we get into the text today, uh, the technology may not be all working, but uh, we're going to open up our word. And uh, we believe that the same Holy Spirit that gave us the scripture is the same Holy Spirit that speaks to us now. So let's pause and, uh, and ask God to speak to us. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word endures forever. God, as we open up your word that is eternal, that you have given us, I pray that, uh, that you would speak to us through it, that it might be a phrase, a thought, a whisper from your Holy Spirit that changes us, that challenges us, that corrects us, that ultimately changes us that we might be more like Christ. So, Lord, if there's anything of me today, I pray that it would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But whatever is of you today, Lord, it would stick. And so we ask this in the power and in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. All right. Woo, look at that. <laughs> Answer to prayer, just like that. That's awesome. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was in junior high and high school, um, over the summer months, usually uh, mid-June, late June, uh, I, I did this youth group uh, bicycle ride, bicycle trip, and we would spend four days riding about 80 to 100 miles. It varied each day. We would ride uh, our bikes in a group, and then on the last day, we would wind up having fun at whatever location we were going to. So we would ride from the east side of the state, Port Huron area. Uh, a couple of times we rode over the Blue Water Bridge, if you're familiar with that area, over into Canada. We did Niagara Falls two times. We went to Toronto once, rode our bikes to Toronto. We did Mackinac Island one year. We came over to the Silver Lake Sand Dunes and rode across the state. Uh, that was the worst trip because riding against the wind every day was just like, that was a dumb idea. But anyway, the first day on the first trip, junior high, we rode over the bridge to Canada, and I didn't make it very far, and I got sick. I had not trained very well. I had a little bit of an older bike. This was my first trip, and I wound up puking on the side of the road, and just, I was done, and I got picked up by the, the van. And you do not want to get picked up by the trailing van. But I spent half the day riding in the van till we got to the place we were going, and I thought to myself, I don't want to ever do this again. So the rest of the week, I managed it, but after that, I decided I got to do something better. So I bought a new bicycle, um, took my money from lawn mowing, bought a new bicycle uh, that was better and a lighter, and I started training more. And so I rode by myself or with some friends, and I, I, the goal was that each day when you left, it was the slower groups that would go out first, and they staggered them. The fastest group would leave last from the campground so that by the end of the day, everybody got there at the same time. So my goal was to move from that slowest group to the fastest group. And by year two, I managed it. I was there. And I loved it. And so uh, every day we would spend time in the morning and 
kind of hang out for a little while longer. At lunchtime, we'd have more fun to hang out at lunchtime because we knew we could ride faster and usually pass the other groups along the way to the campground. It's kind of bragging rights, if you, if you will. One year in particular, I think it was on a trip to Toronto, one of the last days, we had passed all the groups in the afternoon and we were close to camp. And we came to a sign that said, road closed. And there was another little paper that said to the bicycle riders, hey, this is closed. There's a detour. Follow this trail or follow this road. And they had, they had gone around and mapped it all out. Now, our youth pastor at the time who was leading this reached into his bag and he pulled out a map. You know, remember those? <laughs> so we unfolded the map and looked at the map. And we realized that the detour took us about 8 to 10 miles around. And after you've ridden 80 miles, that feels like a little bit longer of a, of a ride. So we opened up the map, and he realized that less than a mile away down that closed road was our campground. So he said, all right, team, we're going to go down this road. So we rode down this, this road closed, and there had been a storm that had washed out a bridge. That's why it was closed. When we got to the, the, the water, we just picked up our bikes and went through the water, got on the other side, and made it to the campground in probably, what, five minutes? We were ecstatic. We didn't see another group for like two and a half hours because nobody else decided to cut through there. <laughs> and it was awesome. I mean, we're talking the 80s, so we were hanging out playing hacky sack, frisbee, swimming in the lake. We were just having a blast and it was one of those times in my life that I still remember that day because I had found my place and my people. Like this, this is, I found joy in the detour. And that's what we've been talking about. All through Acts 16, over the last five weeks, we've been talking about finding joy in the detours of life, the unexpected detours of life. And so as we get into the text today, we're going to talk about how do, how do we find that joy, but we're concluding this passage in Acts 16. But there are, all of us have experienced different detours, right? You can't avoid those detours. Some of you are younger, you're young adults, and you're still navigating that. Maybe you've bumped into a few of your first detours in relationships, in employment, in school, wherever that might be, right? But, uh, but you are learning to go through that process. Maybe it's in uh, employment. Maybe uh, there's difficulty in job loss, and financial difficulty, legal problems. So you're facing that right now. Some of us are on the other side. Whether we've taken the long way around or we've taken a shortcut, we've gotten through some of the detours in life. There are some of you that were engaged earlier in life to somebody else, and that didn't work. But you found that right person. And now you're married, you have kids, you're on the other side, and you've found joy. You've found your place and your people. Because sometimes detours can lead to your place and your people. There are those of you who have lost jobs and careers, but you've found new employment. It might be in a whole different category or different area, but you found your place and your people. There are some in our congregation who, because of legal issues, have owned up spending time. They've been incarcerated. But it's in those places that they've found a relationship with Jesus. And now, coming out, they are finding a new life. And they've found their place and their people within the church. 
Detours are inevitable. But by navigating them, not always, but by navigating them, it can oftentimes lead you to joy in finding your place in your people. And that was true in Acts 16. That's true in this church called Philippi. And if you haven't been with us, in Acts 16, there's a story of Paul and Silas and this early church in Philippi, which was a Roman colony in Macedonia. And at the beginning of Acts 16, Paul and Silas, who are missionaries sent out by the church, this was their second missionary journey. They wanted to go to Asia, and the scriptures tell us that God closed that road. So they couldn't go that way. So they wanted to go to Bithynia, and God closed that road. And they, they had to go another detour. And then Paul had a vision to come to Macedonia. So they went to Macedonia and wound up in the city of Philippi. It was kind of the center of that Macedonia area, a colony. But it was there that they discovered a few uh, things, and they bumped into a few other detours. But they met a woman named Lydia who was God-fearing, and they told her about Jesus, and she got saved. And her and her whole household were baptized, and the very first church in Philippi began in her house. And then we're told of a slave woman who was being used by her owners because she was filled with an evil spirit. Not only was she oppressed physically, but spiritually. And Paul freed her of that evil spirit, which was fantastic, but she, because she could no longer make money for her owners, they threw Paul and Silas in jail. And not only did they do that, they tortured them publicly, beat them, threw them in stocks, and put them in a dark place in a local jail. But even in that part of their detour, they found joy that they were doing God's work. And so they started to praise God and sing. And as they were singing, God created an earthquake and the doors opened up. Now, if you were here last week, Dina preached a great message, Pastor Dina, and told us that the jailer who was responsible for the prisoners thought that they had all escaped and he was going to be punished now. And he was getting ready to take his own life. And there in the darkness, Paul and Silas said, we're here. And isn't that the message for the church? We're here. For people who are living in darkness, for people who don't think they have hope, we're here. And the jailer found hope, and he found joy, he found Jesus. And he and his household were all baptized. And that's where we left off. Paul and Silas are still in trouble. They're supposed to be still in jail. God has freed them but they still have issues with the local government. And so in Acts 16, beginning with verse 35, it says this, When it was daylight, the magistrates, that is the law and order of the day, they sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release these men. The jailer told Paul, Hey, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. I can feel the excitement. Now you can leave. You don't have to be here. Go in peace. The jailer's life has been transformed. It's been changed. And now he's saying, guys, you can go. Sounds like good news. The jailer thought it was good news. Paul, on the other hand, had some issues with this. Paul's a little hesitant, and we find out why in the next few verses. Paul said to the officers, well, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. 
Let's stop there. Paul had not brought this up before. This would have been a major concern. There were different ways that you could become a Roman citizen. Paul's family uh, before him must have navigated through some of the legal issues to become citizen because Paul later writes in another letter that he was born a citizen of Rome. So he says, the magistrates threw us into prison, and now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. No. Paul's like, no, I think we're comfortable here. Let them come themselves and escort us out. (laughs) Paul is basically saying, oh, they publicly accused us. They publicly beat us without a trial, and now they want to quietly kind of move us along. No, I don't think so. You see, Paul understood that it was against the law, which he had not broken, by the way, but now they had. It was against the law to do this to a Roman citizen. Unfortunately, you could do it to others, but if you were a Roman citizen, you could not publicly beat someone, flog them without a trial. There was privileges to being a Roman citizen. And now these officers are hearing for the first time that the magistrates, and they, they've broken the law. And during that day, the scholars will tell you that whenever a city or a colony like this, a city like this, would, would do something against the Roman law, that charter that they had, the privilege that they had of being a part of the Roman Empire, was oftentimes taken away. They would lose their, all of their privileges of being a part of the Roman Empire in Philippi. The magistrates would likely lose their lives if not be imprisoned themselves for what they did to Paul and Silas. You can understand there's a little tension going on here when Paul's standing there going, no, I think we'll just wait. The officers went and they reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. The word there is phobio. It's where we get our word for phobia. Other translations say they were panicked. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. I love this. The word here, escorted, is parakaleo. It's, it's the same root word, by the way, where we, where we get for the Holy Spirit. It's one of the words used for the Holy Spirit. It means to come alongside of. That's what God's Spirit does for us. He fills us, but he comes alongside of us and encourages us. And pleads with us, like, this is the way to go. And you can picture the magistrates showing up at the jail, realizing that Paul and Silas are citizens, realizing they are going to be in a lot of trouble if word gets out. And if you'll allow me, I'm going to channel my inner Pete. Hey, guys. <laughs> you, know, you know, we were just kind of joking about this, right? You know, we're going to get through this. Like, you, you can keep quiet about this. Forgive and forget, right? So... They're trying to encourage Paul and Silas to leave and not tell anybody about this in order that they can get out of their own punishment. And Paul, I love this. I don't know if it's just this confidence, arrogance. I don't know what it is. But Paul's like, no, I think we're going to stay a little bit. So after Paul and Silas came out of prison, they're like, they went to Lydia's house. They didn't leave the city right away. They went to Lydia's house where the church had begun where they met with the brothers and sisters, meaning the greater body of people who had come to know Jesus Christ. We're talking Lydia, her household. We're talking the the slave woman, perhaps her friends. 
We're talking uh, the jailer, his whole family that got baptized, other people in the community who had heard their story and had come to know Jesus. They're all coming to Lydia's house. And so Paul and Silas, they go there to meet with the brothers and sisters and they encourage them. Again, fascinating to me, as Luke is writing this, it's the same word, parakleo. They came alongside of. Just as the jailers did, pleading and encouraging them to leave the city, Paul's now coming alongside of the church. And he's encouraging them and loving them and pleading with them to follow Jesus. That's awesome. But the most powerful words in this passage, I think, are the last three. And then they left. Then they left. There's several things that come out of just those three words. The first is that this wasn't Paul's place in people. He had a calling of God. God had called him to be a missionary. Philippi was just one of the stops along the way. There was Thessalonica. There was Corinth. There was Athens. There was Ephesus. There were other places and other cities where Paul was going to and sharing the good news of Jesus. That was his place. Those were his people that he had been called to. But the church in Philippi had just begun. They were still there. Second, it's interesting to scholars because it says, then they left. And you're like, why, do, why the emphasis on they? Well, Luke is the author. This person, Luke, is the author of Acts and the Gospel of Luke. Luke was also a fellow traveler with Paul. And up to this point in Acts, it's always we. Until we get to this verse. And Luke says, and then they left. The suggestion is that Luke had found his place and his people. There was something unique about the city of Philippi. There was something unique about the, these people that Luke stayed. Whether Paul invited him to be a part of the leadership, whether he asked him to help disciple new believers, we know that Luke likely stayed there in Philippi. He had found his place in his people. Perhaps there is some suggestion, scholars say, that another young man named Timothy, you might remember that name because there's two books in the New Testament written to him when Paul writes First and Second Timothy. Timothy may have been there with Luke and he stayed. So when Luke says, and then they left, there was something more powerful happening. They stayed. They found their people and their place within the local church. Lastly, Lydia the jailer, this woman who was a slave, and other brothers and sisters, they stayed. Paul left. They stayed. This was their city. This was their community. These were their people. And there was more to do. And there was more to share. The power of Jesus Christ, the proclamation of the good news of Jesus and what he could do. It reminds me of times in the New Testament where oftentimes Jesus would go into a village or a city. In, in Mark chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus goes into Capernaum and he ministers to all the people. It says he healed many and cast out many demons. And then evening comes, they all go home, they all go to bed. They get up in the morning and they're looking for Jesus, right? Hey, we had a great day yesterday. Where's Jesus? He's gone. Some of the disciples go out and they start looking for him and they find him alone with his father, abiding with God. And they're like, hey, Jesus, everybody's waiting for you. Day two, like we're going to have a great day in Capernaum. And Jesus says, 
let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus had a calling to go. Paul had a calling to go. But Jesus would often tell those who he had healed, whose lives had been transformed, that it was their job to stay, to be my witnesses. He did the same thing in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When Jesus ascends into heaven after his death and resurrection, he ascends into heaven. He says to his disciples, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Same word, come alongside of. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to be with you, and you will be my witnesses. You get to be here, but you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You get to stay. That was the people in Philippi. They had found their people and their place within the local church. And if you don't get anything else, I hope that this is true for you, that the local church is a place where you can discover your place and your people, that you can find joy in knowing I belong. These are my peeps. And you can find your place in going, I know where God wants me to serve in this community and through this local church. Now, as the outreach pastor at All Shores, I'm all about seeing God calm people to leave and to go out into the world to share the gospel, starting church planning movements and discipling young believers. However, the goal of all of our missionaries is to see an indigenous church movement. The people in that local area would come to know Christ. They would be saved. They would be discipled. They would be raised up to be leaders and eventually pastors and people who serve that community where the missionaries are no longer needed. People proclaiming and demonstrating the love of God, the power of God in their own areas. See, it was churches like Philippi, Thessalonica, Ephesus, and Corinth. Those were local cities and local churches that became catalysts for transforming our world. We have books in the Bible written to local churches that still speak to us today because of what they did in their community. And just as Jesus left his disciples and gave them the Holy Spirit, so he gives us his Holy Spirit to be where we are, to do whatever God has called us to do. Paul would say in several passages in the New Testament that there is a body of Christ and we each do our part, right? That is, that is where we fit in. That was the early church. They discovered a place and a people within the body of the local church. Now, I'll be honest, the Western church, meaning the North American church, over the last couple of centuries, we've developed kind of a dependence, if you will, on, on a particular type of ministry, right? We have pastors and we have priests that are seminary trained and hired and paid to lead and cast vision and shepherd the congregation and more. And there's some phenomenal pastors around the world, men and women that we listen to, that we watch on TV, that we stream their services, we listen to their podcasts, we read their books. But I think it's also created this false expectation of what the church really is. The New Testament has a word for the church, 
It's ecclesia. It means the gathering or the assembly of believers. All of us. And it's the church that is the catalyst for bringing the gospel to each community. That's you and I. All Shores has several different values that we have when it comes to growing or radically loving and growing together in Christ. We have values that we, we want to live out as a part of this. And on our website, you will see all of them. And somebody had this idea years ago to have them all be A. I think we thought that that would help. It just confuses me. Authority of God in Scripture. We, we're an accepting church. We are an authentic church. We want to live these values out. Advancing the kingdom, global work. All ministers abiding in Jesus, artistic. But I want, I want you to highlight, I want to understand this one here. All ministers. You see, we believe that the New Testament, just like Paul believed, that you and I are all ministers of the gospel. That we are all witnesses to what God can do in our lives. And people might come and go, but we stay. Because the local church is where we find our place and our people. It's in this community. You are all ministers. Say it with me. You are all ministers. Now turn to somebody next to you and tell them, you are a minister. I don't know if you believe that or don't believe that. But the New Testament preaches that you and I are all ministers. We're all witnesses to what God can do in our lives and in the community. And we get to live here and live this out before others. There are churches that in the back of the worship center, they have this sign. It says, you are now entering the mission field. It's a reminder to people in the congregation that every week when they leave, they get to be ministers in their community. Whether it be in the grocery store, the marketplace, whether it be in the office, whether it be in school, whether it be out in the community, wherever you go, you are the church. You are all ministers. And God has called you to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to be a witness to what he can do to transform lives. You are all ministers. And some of you have discovered this. You've discovered your people and your place within the body of Christ. You're serving. You might be in a group. You know what your spiritual gifts are. You, you, you kind of know. Like you would say, I, I've, I'm there. And maybe today's just a, a good reminder. You are in that place. God has placed you here. And you found it. Some of you are still navigating that. You know, there's a gentleman, if you come to our 9 o'clock service in Spring Lake, uh, you will meet a guy named Bill. He's pretty tall. And you, you won't miss him because every Sunday, almost every Sunday, he's out on Cleveland 104, and this is what he does. He, he welcomes people into church. And I had two people last week tell me, there is something about seeing Bill on Sunday when I drive into the campus. I know I'm a part of this. I belong. Like he just makes me feel welcome by just waving at me. What some people might not know is that Bill hit a detour several years ago. Because of habits and addictions, he needed help. And he will tell you that Jesus saved him and that God gave him victory over those old habits and addictions. He is in a different place today. 
And he wanted me to tell you guys that he considers all shores to be his family. He's found his people. He's found his place. He might wave on Sunday morning. He told me this morning, I don't feel like I do a whole lot. He does. He's found his place and he's found his people. And it makes a difference. Not only that, but about a month ago, we had a young man who, similar background, got him into trouble. And he is now working to overcome those habits and addictions. And Bill has come alongside of him to encourage him and to make him feel a part of the family. And now that young man is finding his people and his place within the body, within the church. You see, we're all ministers. And some of us have found that. We found, we've discovered, we know that place. Some of you, though, you're still trying to figure that out. And we have many ways to help you with that. We have a four-week class called The Journey. And in The Journey, we not only tell you about the history of our church, but you learn to discover your spiritual gifts, how God made you to be, and different ways that you can serve not only inside of the local church, but through the local church out into our community, helping you to get connected into a group, helping you to find your place in your people. Over the next several weeks, we also have our ministry highlights like we do this morning, different ways to highlight ways that you can get engaged, ways that you can serve, and how you can use your personality and your gift mix and your passions for God in our community. And so I want to encourage you, if you're at that season and at that place, take that next step to understand that the local church is where you can discover your people and your place. We are the body of Christ. We're God's family, and we get to do this together. You see, it was Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth, and more that became catalysts for transforming the world. And that's how God works, is personal witnesses and ministers in local churches doing their part to meet the needs and share the love of Christ in their community. That's you. That's me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the, the stories and the message of Paul and his journeys and just this, this detour in this place called Philippi where he was not even intending to go and what a difference that place made not only in his life but in the life of the church. And even now, Lord, we, we get to experience the joy of knowing what he went through and learning from that. And so, Lord, I pray that we would recall and remember what Paul went through and what happened there in the church, that we might be encouraged to be the church in our own community and to find our people and our place through your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. We're going to close out with communion. And if you're new with us, you, you don't have to be a member of All Shores, be a part of the Wesleyan Church. Uh, you don't have to have a letter from another church that says you can take communion. We have what we call an open table. We just, we believe that the scriptures teach that if you are pursuing a relationship with Jesus, he meets you where you're at. And so this is a way that we worship and we basically affirm what we just heard. And it's a way to say yes to God. Like whatever God has given you this morning to just simply say, okay, God, I got it. 
And so before we take communion, we're going to take a moment and worship together. And then we'll partake of the elements together. But we're going to stand, if you will, with me. And we're going to worship. And during this first part of worship, just make this an affirmation to say yes to God, to whatever he is calling you to. take the cup that you were given as you came in. There's two layers to it. Top layer, as you peel that back, will have the bread, and the bottom one is the juice, representing the fruit of the vine, Jesus called it. You know, as we close out the service and we do communion every week, we remember that Jesus gathered with his disciples to do this, but I just, I picture this morning, that first time that the church in Philippi with complete strangers and people who had just discovered Christ and now they were discovering each other. The first time that they did this together and they found their people in their place because of what Jesus had done for them. I want you to picture that because look around you. This is your people. This is your place. God has you here for a reason. On that night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and gave thanks said, this is my body given for you. Take in remembrance of me. And then taking the cup, 
He said, this is the blood of new covenant, my blood shed for you. The sweetness of it reminded the early church of how God's sweetness and love washed away their sins and the bitterness of life. They were now in a new place, a good place. They knew where they belonged. Let us take and drink in remembrance. God, we pray your blessing over these elements, physically, spiritually, to our bodies, that we, the church, all ministers, would recognize our place in the communities and where you have us, that we might be witnesses and ministers to the good news of Jesus Christ to those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Let us continue to worship. Thank you for joining us through this series. If you haven't seen some of the previous messages, I want to encourage you to do that. A couple of quick things. It is Outreach Sunday. There's different information and ways to get connected. Love in action, local 
nonprofit is here with us today. I want to encourage you to hear more about what they're doing in the community and how we partner together with them. If you didn't bring food for the food pantry, we welcome that each and every week, but this is our opportunity to drop that food off. Um, and so just want to encourage you to do that as well. And then finally, if you do not presently give to the GoFund, $10 a month, we can come alongside of a missionary couple in Cambodia and see God make a difference there in that community. And so I want to encourage you to, to go to the table, sign up, get more information on how to do that this morning. Why don't I give you a, a blessing? I want to invite you to come back next week as we begin a new series called Inside Out, which is about our mission and our vision at All Shores and how we can all be a part of that. And now may God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, continue to fill you with his spirit. Oh, may you sense this week God's anointing that he has made you a minister, not licensed by a denomination, but licensed by Christ himself to be his witness in this community. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.